Now, don't think like we're going out and spending crazy kind of money because you know you can have like just regular stuff delivered to your house, right? Like toilet paper or filters for your furnace. Did you know that? I used to hate going out to buy filters and they didn't have the one I needed and all that. Kind of. You can literally just order them in the 10-pack and they'll show up at your house. And you could be all crazy because they cost nothing to put in and out. You could be replacing filters all winter long. Am I the only one that feels really good about that? All right, some of you guys feel good about that. But we live in this age where we just have things delivered all the time. And I think in some ways it kind of starts to cheapen that experience. Remember growing up when you got a package? Or remember when you were in college and you got a care package? Like you'd get all the junk mail and all the flyers for everything, but then you got that little slip that said, come to the desk because we got something that doesn't fit in your mail slot. And you were like, yes. And there were almost always cookies in it. I mean, like, really good cookies. Not, not, not like, nobody, nobody goes out and buys you Oreos and sends them in a care package. Well, if you did, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Like, the most precious thing. Like, somebody, somebody baked these cookies and cooled them off just right and bubble-wrapped them and, and got them in the box and made sure that the most precious thing in the world was delivered to you. We, send, we tend to send things that we care about. And in this age of Amazon, sometimes we forget the power of sending something. In fact, so, it's so easy to send stuff with Amazon. We were on our way to a birthday party a couple weeks ago, and uh, my wife and I were like, oh, we got to stop and get something for this person to bring to the birthday party. And then we realized, wait a minute, we could set, get them a gift card. And then we realized we don't even have to get them a gift card. In our car, we can go on the app and buy them Amazon money gift card and send it to their phone so like when we got to the party they had already gotten our gift and we didn't have to do nothing except surf the web with what's that yeah so thoughtful thank you he was he was cool with it he was like this is my favorite man i love this how honestly how many of you just like amazon money rather than like How many of you want that thoughtful gift that somebody went through the trouble of like making themselves? And... No, we, we, listen, there, there is something about sending our very best to people, right? And not just doing the Amazon thing or just doing the, hey, I'm just going to give you something general or something not that big of a deal. I found a card yesterday. We were cleaning out a, um, a cabinet in our house uh, as we were rearranging stuff and getting ready for Christmas. And... My wife had this card, and she said, hey, do you want to keep this? And I went to go throw it out, but I opened it up, and I read it. And it was one of those happy cards that pastors get. You know, usually the card has the happy things in it, and the angry letter comes in just a regular form. (laughs) Do you guys know that pastors get both? And this one was handwritten, and it was in a card. And, you know, pastors get cards, thank you for this, and, you know, notes, and we send cards to each other at Christmas time, things like this. But this card was handwritten, both sides, front or open part, and in the back. And as I read it, I was reminded of how precious it was when this person sent it to me. And what it was is it was a thank you for words that I had shared at another church. And this person was encouraging me. Because I, I wasn't on the schedule at the church that day. I wasn't uh, supposed to preach or anything like that. I hadn't prepared any words. But I felt as we were worshiping that day that the Lord laid something on my heart that needed to be shared with the entire church. 
And I remember that night, this card reminded me of that night. I remember that night saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't have a platform to say this. And I'm not sure in this house what the procedures are to share things. And so I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so I said, Lord, if you really want me to share this, you're going to have the pastor invite me to the platform to say something. And as we were closing, the pastor invited me to the platform to close the service out and share whatever I wanted to share. And so I just, you know, boldly declared what the Lord had, had given me at that moment for that house and what he was saying. And it was the words that God had sent to me were so precious that I had sent them to the person that this person sent me a card to encourage me of the words that I had given to them. And, some t- and, and, and this person was actually struggling. They said in the card, like, I was struggling over even sending you this card. Because I wasn't sure if it was the right thing to do. But I just want to encourage you to take the words that God has given you and make sure that they're sent to the people that God has sent them to. See, when we, when, when we have the most precious things in our lives, it's important to us that we don't keep them to ourselves, but we send them. We're going to start a series this morning because it's Christmas time that's not a Christmas series, so to speak. If you've been around here long enough, you know that Christmas is not my favorite holiday. But let me, let me let you in on a little secret. I am more excited for Christmas than I have ever been in my entire life. And I have no idea why. But it gives me a great sense of expectation. And it's not because I have a great Christmas series to, to, to preach. But the series is called Scent. Which is sort of a Christmas series because we're going to talk about how God sent Jesus. And we're going to talk about how we're sent as well. Because the very most important things that we have in our lives, we send. This morning, uh, the, the sermon is going to be more of a pastoral meditation than a traditional sermon. Um, and so hopefully it'll be a little shorter than a traditional sermon. Um, but I don't want you to disregard it because of that this morning. I think the Lord has some really important things to, send, to say to us this morning. Because God, in his goodness, decided to send the thing that he valued most, and that was Jesus. There's a scripture that... If you've been around the church long enough, every one of us knows, but I think it's important to read it again because it highlights this idea that what we love, we send. The scripture is John 3.16. Most of us know it by heart, but I want to look at it again, and I want to look at the verse after it as well so we can see and understand the importance of what God did for us in sending Jesus. The scripture says this. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's not how I memorized it. We're going to look at it together this morning. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world or some versions say not to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that these words would come alive, God, that the simple message that is so profound, that what you love, you send. And in sending Jesus, you demonstrated your love for us. Father, I pray that we would see that not only have you sent Jesus to us, but you are sending us on your behalf. And that, God, it would make a profound impact in our lives in not only what we believe, but how we live. That your kingdom would be built in Jesus' name. Amen.
title of the message or the meditation this morning is this, is sent in love. Jesus was sent to the world that the world might be redeemed, might be saved, might have eternal life through him. But why, did he, why was he sent? What was the motivation in the Father's heart? The motivation was love. The motivation was the love of God that he had not only for, for his creation, but for the subject of his creation and the inhabitants of his creation. And when we talk about God's love, we talk about it always being intertwined. You're going to see as we read a bunch of scripture this morning that his love is always intertwined with sending. Love is the evidence that Jesus was sent by the Father. In John 8, 42, Jesus told them, if God were your Father, you would love me. He's criticizing people that refuse to love him. But he says this, if God were your Father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own. He sent me. See, this divine sending of God, of Jesus, in love by the Father was meant to create this loop and this feedback between us. See, he sent him in love, and if we understand what he sent, if we understand who he was, if we understand the gift of the Father and the deep love that motivated him to come or to be sent, we would understand that we ought to love him in return. I remember interviewing, when I was a youth pastor, I would interview potential youth leaders because I cared about who ministered to your kids. I still care about who ministers to your kids. I just don't do the interviews anymore. And in those interviews, I would ask, I would say, hey, listen, I want you to role play with me. Pretend I'm a student, and I've just given you permission to share the gospel with me. Would you tell me about Jesus? And I would just listen for what, what was in the person's heart, because in that moment, you're sharing what's in your heart. And I believe that the gospel centers around this, that God created us first and that he loves us. But oftentimes people would skip over that part. Well, Jesus came and he lived a good life and, and he died on the cross and so you should receive him as your savior. And I'd say, but why? Like, like I was coaching them, but why? Well, because he's God. And like I was trying to get to what motivated God to send Jesus. What motivated him was his love. His great love for you and me. And love, his love is the evidence, and our love is retur- in return is our evidence that we understand that Jesus was sent by God. In John 14, 24, it says this, Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not uh, my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. His sending and his love are always intertwined. But understand this. It wasn't just that God loved us and sent Jesus. The truth is this, we have been sent as well. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20, verse 21. In the Gospel of John, this is the first recorded appearance of Jesus with his disciples. What we understand is this, it's the first time the disciples were all together. And as Jesus comes to his disciples in John chapter 20, this is after the crucifixion, this is after the resurrection, he's coming to his disciples, and he, the first thing he says to them is this, he says, peace be with you, and then what does he do? He says this, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Isn't that an interesting thing that Jesus, first words out of his mouth with all his disciples there, after he's resurrected, said, I got sent. Now I'm sending you. Do you ever have that moment in your life where you just, like, you, you, you're meeting your loved ones for the first time in a long time? When we travel to Cuba, we don't always have uh, the ability to contact uh, our families. 
It's much different in most of the world now. We can talk on the phone and video and all that kind of stuff. But have you ever been removed from somebody that you loved? And you're coming to them for the first time and you're greeting them. What's always on your heart? The thing you're most excited about, right? Right? The thing you want to share the most. Usually it's your love or a hug or something like that. But then, then you get right to like the thing in your life that's going on that you just want to pour out. This is what happened while you were gone, and this is what I'm excited about. Jesus, the first time he encounters his disciples, shares his peace with them, and then jumps right into the calling that they have on their lives. I got sent, and now you're being sent. What's interesting, though, is this isn't the first time that Jesus talked to his disciples about that. In fact, it was the last thing he talked to his disciples about before he went to his death and before his resurrection. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 17. Because what we read in John uh, chapter 20 was a repeat of what Jesus said to his disciples. See, Jesus was gathered with his disciples right before he went to the cross. Many times we call this the Last Supper, and the book of John records a long conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. The book of John records the intimate moments that they share together. The book of John records Jesus' prayer for his disciples. And in his prayer, we read in John chapter 17, verse 17, this. Make them holy by your truth and teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, said, I'm sending them into the world just as you sent me. He said, listen, I want you to teach them truth. I'm going to this place of sacrifice so that they can be made holy by your truth. I'm doing everything that I can, not just so that they know that I love them. I'm doing this so that I can send them in my love. See, many of us are good with other people being sent. We're comfortable with the fact that Jesus was sent, right? How many of you are glad Jesus was sent on your behalf? But the truth is this, Jesus is not just sending the disciples. We don't have an out here saying, oh, well, he was with his disciples that night, and that was something special for them. Look at the next verse, verse 20. Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. How many of you are here this morning because you believe in Jesus through the message of the disciples? Everybody should be raising their hand. Otherwise, I'm not sure why you're here. Coffee's good, but it's not that good. You know, there's an ice storm, right? Jesus was literally praying for us. And so I want you to picture this moment here this morning. Jesus, as he prays for his disciples, is thinking about you. As he prays for his disciples before he went to the cross, he's praying for you. And he's praying for me. And he's saying, listen, I want to make sure that every generation of those who believe in me, every generation of those who find themselves in me, every generation that understands that I was sent by the Father in love, understands that not only was I sent to them for that reason, but they are sent as well. And so imagine not only this moment that Jesus prays for you, but imagine yourself after the resurrection. Jesus coming to you this morning with excitement and with joy and saying, I want to give you my peace, but I also want you to know something. I was sent and you're sent. We've got to settle this as believers. 
to understand this is not only just about what Jesus did, although everything hinges on it. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not preaching that somehow we are righteous in our own. Somehow we are important to the earth on our own. But we are the focus of the Father's love. We have received the gift of Jesus. And because we've received that gift and because of the words and the empowerment of Jesus, we have been called to not only be those who receive, but those who send. And those who are being sent. And we're literally being sent just as Jesus was sent. And so if we are sent just as Jesus is sent, what does that mean? He says this, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying for us that we would be united with the Father so that the world would believe that he was sent. He says this, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one, and I in them and you in me. May they experience such a perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Understand, we are being sent not by ourselves, but we are being sent just as Jesus was sent in the love of God. And so we're going to talk this morning just very briefly about being sent in the love of God. He said, Father, I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. And I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Jesus was sent in love. We are sent in love. The writer of the Gospel of John also wrote some epistles. I'd like you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. This is where we're going to land and finish this morning in just a few minutes. This is John the Beloved. So it makes sense that he records this conversation that Jesus has with the Father and the importance of love to being sent. And then he, he talks about in his epistle that thing that is so important to him, which is the love of God. Understand this, that John wrote this epistle. John wrote this letter to the church. John wrote this letter for you and for me in part to combat those who said that Jesus did not really come in the flesh. There was a teaching that Jesus had come just as a spirit and just kind of existed around for a little while and was sort of an apparition. But John wants us to know that no, Jesus literally came in the flesh because if he came in the flesh, then his death in the flesh mattered. He was literally sent in the flesh to be in relationship with us, to demonstrate the love of the Father to us and to show us what that looks like. And so what John is saying is that he really came Because he was really sent. And he was really sent and he really loved us. John was saying, I I am the beloved disciple and I I didn't love a ghost. I loved a human. I loved a man who walked among us in flesh who also happened to be the God of the universe. Who was sent in the love of the Father to demonstrate it, to live it out. John said, this thing is real. It's flesh. It's life. And so that's why he wrote this epistle partly and in first john 4 7 this is what it says dear friends let us continue to love one another for love comes from god and anyone who loves is a child of god and knows god 
But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed us how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so we might have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away of our sins. Sound familiar? This is a man who experienced this and writes about it. He said, Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Verse 14, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they will live in God. And we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I want to encourage you, there's a lot in that scripture. That is, like, that's a deep one to dive into. You can spend a, about a year on it. But I want to just talk very briefly about a few things that is in this scripture, things that you can write down. This is what makes it an actual sermon, because we read some word and I gave you some points. Real briefly, very briefly, five things you can understand from this scripture. Five things we can understand about God sending love. Remember, We have been sent just as Jesus was sent. So if Jesus was sent in love, we're sent in love. Let's understand what God's sending love looks like so that we can be sent in his love. The first is this. God's sending love is active. God's sending love is active. Verse 9 says this. God showed his love, or how much he loved us, by sending his one and only son into the world so we may not have eternal life through him. Sound familiar? It's a repetition, a rewording of John 3.16. God's sending love is active. If God's sending love is active, then our, our sending love, or his sending love through us, ought to be active as well. Very simply this. If we are sent in his love, it's not a feeling only. In fact, we can operate in his sending love before it becomes a feeling, Right? We can be active in love. If you love someone, you will show them that you love them. Now that's hard for people whose love language is words of affirmation. I told you I love you. What do you want? Jesus didn't just come and say I love you. He demonstrated it. With the most precious gift. Unto death. Some of us are willing to love up to a point. And then we're like, yep, you're done. Ever done that with somebody? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. Like, I'm a loving person. I'm a loving person. I'm a loving person. I've had it up to here and I'm done. The love of God is active and it doesn't stop. Second thing is this. God's sending love highlights eternity. God's sending love highlights eternity. It brings eternity into focus. See, this isn't just about gathering together at Christmas time and having feelings of love. Right? Sometimes we over-sentimentalize 
the holiday or we over-sentimentalize just love in general and we just chase after that feeling and we chase after that feeling. But if it's demonstrated, it needs to be demonstrated towards eternity because eternity is in the, is in the balance. Whether or not you and I understand the love of Christ and minister the love of Christ and share the love of Christ and are sent in the love of God matters for our eternity and for others' eternity as well. And so eternity comes into sharp focus when we talk about the love of God. We read verse 9. Here's what verse 10 says. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love, sending love, highlights eternity. Number three, God's sending love is repeatable. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. God's sending love is repeatable. Listen, if we've experienced the love of God, we should be able to share it with other people. If we are unable to share the love of God with other people, we probably haven't received or understood or experienced the love of God. I don't know about you, but that's convicting to me. I love how positive John puts it. Surely we should be able to do that as well. God's sending love is repeatable. Don't think that it's only for him towards us. We literally represent God to one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. We demonstrate the very image of God as we, as we operate in this sending love. If we refuse to do that, we refuse to give somebody the full picture of God. There are people walking around who are not walking with Jesus because no one ever demonstrated a full picture of the Father to them. The greatest human right, I believe in human rights, but the greatest human right is this, is an accurate representation of the gospel, an accurate representation of who Jesus is, and it's not going to happen unless we operate in the sending love of God. Number four, God's sending love is bankable. What do I mean by that? Do you ever have somebody whose words you could take to the bank? There are, there are still a few people left in the world like that. Their yes is yes, their no is no. If they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. If they say they're not going to do it, they are not going to do it. Some of you need to teach that to your children. If I say I'm not going to do it, I am not going to do it. But that means you can't do it. Right? But here's the truth is this. God's sending love is bankable. Look at verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. You and I can live our lives in confidence and in trust of the love of God. What does it mean, though, that when we don't experience it? Does it mean it's not true? What, what, what does it mean if, we, if we're struggling to understand the love of God? Is that his issue or our issue? But here's the truth. God's not done looking to demonstrate his love to you if you don't understand it. 
The, hope, the, the truth is this. You don't have to walk out of here hopeless because you haven't understood the love of God. Or maybe you understood it before, and today you're really having a hard time knowing that he loves you. You don't have to walk out of here saying, well, I guess I'm not really a believer, and I guess I'm done with God. The truth is this. Jesus is still, in a sense, being sent to us. God is not done breaking through into your life and into my life with his love. And so if you're not experiencing it today, you can, by faith, put your trust in his love, that his love will break through into your life. And not only that, that if you are not operating in love or being sent in love to others around you, that God is continually going to be breaking into your life with his love so that you will be able to carry his love, his sending love to those around you. The truth is this, God's sending love is bankable. He's still pursuing you. And the fifth is this, as the worship team comes. God's sending love grows. Look at verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. How many of you are perfect lovers? Some of you need to have a conversation later. How many of you, when you first got married, just knew how to love your spouse in every way, shape, and form perfectly? Emotionally, physically, sexually, like you're just like, I am the man, I'm the woman, I got this down. You are lucky to have me. I am perfect in my demonstration of love to you. Some of you tried to pull that garbage. <laughs> and you probably operated for a few years and, well, you just need to, you just need to get on the same program with me. Some of you are still <laughs> trying to work that. It's time to stop. But the truth is this. If you love someone, your love for them will grow. Your ability to demonstrate that love will grow. You, the world gives us a load of garbage. They say the best, uh, let's just be real frank, the best sex you'll ever have is when you're first married and your bodies are young. It's not true. And that lie penetrates marriages so that when people get into their older ages and everything doesn't work the same way and they, haven't, they, they believe that I don't have hope in this area and they just give up on it and all of a sudden they're like, I'm not connected anymore and now the enemy comes in and before you know it, people are leaving each other for something else that looks different or looks more appealing. The truth is this, that if you love someone and you're committed to them and you're committed to growing... That part of your relationship should get better and better and better and better. If it's not, don't take that as a, a sign that maybe something's all the way wrong with you, but take it as a hopeful thing that God has more and better for you. But it doesn't just start in the bedroom. It starts in the other places of your life. As your love grows for one another, your physical expression of that love grows for one another. Can we just, I mean, we're using this as an example. We'll save the other part for the February series, right? God has intended for our love to grow more perfect and more perfect and more perfect. He came and demonstrated perfect love. He had it down. 
He showed up and he had it down. But for you and I, there's hope because where you're at right now is not where God wants you to be tomorrow. What you're experiencing right now is not the, 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 the pinnacle of his love for you or his love through you towards others. You can grow in your understanding of the love of God today. Hope you have by the scripture that we read. But you can also grow in the demonstration of your love. Why? Because that's the way God has created it to be. As we live in him, our love grows more and more. And so here's the conclusion. Listen, such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So if you're here this morning and this challenges you, and you're like, I- I'm, just, I'm kind of afraid, just trust that you don't have to be afraid. Just continue to grow in the love of God. And you can stand in Judgment Day confident because you live like Jesus here in this world. Because his love is being expressed through you. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love a God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. If you want to walk in a demonstration of the love of God, if you want to be sent as Jesus was sent, with the love of the Father through Jesus, I want to encourage you right now, just stand. I want to pray for you. God, we want to be your sent ones. And we know that by your word, we are your sent ones. And so we step into the promise of your prophetic word for us today. That we would be the ones not only sent by you, but that we would be sent in your love first and foremost. We recognize, Jesus, that you came sent in the Father's love to demonstrate the love of the Father for us. So that we could be in you like you are in the Father. So that the love of the Father would be in us. So that we don't give of just ourselves, but that we give of the love that we have experienced and received. And so, Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit today that we would grow in our understanding and experience of the love of God in our own lives. And that it wouldn't just be for us, but God, as we grow in that, you would overflow in our lives with a demonstration of your love towards one another. That we would be willing to be sent to each other and to a people that don't know you to demonstrate your love that your kingdom would be built. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song this morning as we close and then Pastor Dan will come and dismiss us. But I want to encourage you to trust him to take you to new places in love. We're going to sing a song about trusting him to take us where the water is deep. And if you have struggled in this area, or maybe even right now you're struggling in this area in relationships, and it feels like God is calling you to walk on water, it feels impossible. I want to encourage you to press into Jesus because he is the God of the impossible. And as you sing this, sing it with expectation that he's going to meet you in a fresh way. 
and that the love that he pours into your life will be more shareable than it's ever been in your life before and that his kingdom will advance, not just because he's good, but because he's working his love in you and through you. Let's sing together.